Thank you for downloading and listening to another podcast. Uh, We're going to be producing these every week or so as we try and think about and respond to what God is doing in this season among us. Uh, So again, make sure you've listened to the podcast from the church family meeting because that's the context in which we're having these other conversations. And uh, today I've got Adrian with me. So uh, good to have you with us, mate. Thanks for giving up some of your time to... um, have this conversation. Great to have the conversation, looking forward to it, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we've done a, a little bit of prep, sort of a couple of minutes to, to, to tee you up, but um, speak freely. I really wanted to start you with what you shared a little bit in our family meeting when we started talking about money uh, and the journey from I to we. You didn't have much time to expand on it then, so I, I thought it'd be good, especially if people missed the meeting or perhaps had had so much information by that point that they might not have taken it in. So just tell us again, what were you trying to get at there and and, and why were you talking about that? So talk a bit about that, the I to we journey. Yeah. Uh, so if thinking about how the world works, so a sort of coined a phrase, uh, in that I think we probably print, though we though some of us don't realize it we do live in a world of what I would describe as personal gain and private profit what do I mean by that I mean that um, not just economically but in probably every way our, our world is oriented around uh, the individual so it's about me and my um, and not about we and us Let's think of a couple of examples, I think, to help ground that for people. So one comes to my mind immediately with, with their politics. Yeah. So any vote comes around, and what I'm told by people on my doorstep is, our offer is the best deal for you. You need yeah. to think about what's best for you yeah. in terms of how you vote. So, yeah. you know, but there must be other, I guess, advertising works off that basis as well, doesn't it? Yeah, I think probably the world of investment. Yeah. Um, Really, every single part of our life. Yeah. Really, it's my house, yeah. my car. Is this job opportunity the right one for you to become who you are meant yeah. to be? Yeah. yeah, so the world does operate. So the centre of the universe basically is me. Yeah. And I think you're right, the, heart, the culture encourages us to do that, which in the long term is, of course, highly destructive. But, um, but that's really where we're at, I guess. So it's my money. So mm-hmm. I, I provide for my household. Yeah. And of course, there's some truth in that as well because God calls us to work and we do work, uh, not, uh, yeah, we do work to yeah. provide for our families. So we sh- should do that and that's right. Yeah, and we've, you know, obviously the individual responsibility comes from partly from the Christian doctrine of the yeah, value of each person. So there's no, you're, not, you're not suggesting that we eradicate the idea of no. individuals and personal No, I don't think so. But, uh, but I, I would say we, do, we need to probably try and extricate ourselves somehow in the way we think from that world in order to think about um, uh, the community of God or, mm. or what it means for, for us to hold things in common or collectively rather than individually mm. um, and, and but we give ourselves all sorts of reasons and excuses why we do what we do so um, I think I was reflecting in a prayer with when we we're talking about this as elders or after we talked about this as elders and just thinking that you know I wonder if um, both of my next-door neighbors both one on the right and one on the left um, 
you know, come to faith, whether things would actually change in terms of the way that we organise ourselves. Would I still have a fence up each side of the garden, grow my plants, water my plants? Don't get me wrong, we do shared watering when we're away on holiday. <laughs> you know, that yeah. whole sense yeah, of, yeah. Will, would, my, would the way I structure my life change? Yeah. You know, would I still cook for myself? Yeah. I might say to them, if you get stuck, let me know and I'll cook you a meal. But I, I just wonder whether the actual physical material order of our lives would actually stay exactly as it was because largely I like what I like, when I like, how I like it. Yeah. Uh, my style and preferences are my styles and preferences, which aren't wrong, but they're, they always become primary in my decision making. And, and I wonder whether we've got to try and work harder to think about what does it mean to be us yeah. together rather than me and mine, do you know what I mean? So. Uh, well, I think you're putting your finger on um, that, that sort of pressure point between staying in the world system and trying to sort of Christianise it a bit yeah. and moving to a, a different frame of reference, really, um, which is incredibly difficult to do. You know, I think that question of if they became Christians, what would materially change yeah. is quite a provocative one. Yeah, it is, and and um, and I think I think for some of these things, uh, you know, they they feel impossible, but you've got to take some small steps at some point mm. to change some of that, haven't you? So, uh, you know, people say uh, the aspiration or the vision is so big, how on earth it feels like enormous? How how can you do it? And I heard somebody recently over the weekend talk about change and said how do you eat an elephant one small piece at a time do you know what I mean yeah. so there is this sense in which we've got to look for some small practical ways to say actually how, how can I reorientate my life away from me my and I to us and we think collectively yeah. and maybe behave collectively as well you know what um, so let's, yeah. Im let's imagine that let's imagine together a little bit this sort of the world of we you know if we started to move away from an I dominated vision to a we dominated vision and obviously underlying all we say is the we is centered around Jesus isn't it it's not yeah, sort yeah. Of, there's all kinds of we's out there yeah. aren't there we're talking about a kingdom of God yeah. we so I, I guess you started talking about that in the context of money and giving yeah. so maybe we could start there but then imagine from there I mean what 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 does we look like when you turn your attention to your finances do you think so and this is re this really difficult it's a really difficult one for myself and Marion you know I, I, I'm not pretending that I've got any of this really ironed out not at all mm. but I think that whole thought process that actually you know we talk about my income mm. I, I'm, I'm not sh you know so I, I think increasingly I'm challenged to think about um, this is not really being mine at all that it's a portion mm. of Let's let's even describe it. I think you used better language than I have about this, but it's maybe it's ours of which I have a portion rather than mine, where I determine how much I give away. Yeah, I'm nowhere near. Uh, well, we're, we're, I've eaten a small bit of the elephant, put it that way, yeah. in some of the decisions <laughs> I've made. Yeah. But I feel like there's still a long, you know, still a long way to go, really. Have you got a taste for elephant yet? Have I got a taste yeah. for elephant? Well, I think, I think, intellectually, I can give a scent, definitely give a scent, to 
collective responsibility being a place of enormous freedom yeah. as opposed to individual responsibility. Do you know what I mean by that? Yeah. So I'm not saying we don't have individual responsibility. Of course we have individual responsibility. But that whole idea that the world that I'm engaged with depends on me and my and I and I... Yeah. You know, how, how can we think about about responsibility as, a, as, as whether that be financial, economic, social, mm-hmm. as being, I think when we see it as collectively, I think it has the potential to be enormously liberating yeah. in that I'm not under that massive pressure anymore. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's all on you. It's, it's all on me. Yeah. It reminds me of um, an article I read uh, a while ago, but I've, I've reread it a couple of times by a guy in America, and he, he called it an unmessianic sense of non-destiny. And he talks about getting some midlife in his in in his life, and one of the liberations being the death of his um, what's the word? His ambition, his death of his ambition, when he yeah. realised that you know the time had gone where he was really going to be somebody. Yeah. But the release of that in being able to be a part of the people of God, and that's where the real purpose lies, rather yeah. than having to carry it himself. Yeah, yeah, I think absolutely right. You, you know, and so I th- and, and in terms of finance, yeah, we'll move on from finances, but I think the some of what you're talking about is this idea that if it all belongs to God anyway, yeah, what we have and what we earn is is just at, we're stewarding some of God's possessions, and if it's God's, then it really is ours more than it's mine. Yeah, even though I'm the one tasked with making some decisions, and like you say, intellectually, that's one thing to get our heads around, but it really starts to bite when we have to. Yeah, I think so. You know, yeah, because. The journey to we is always going to involve some sort of death of the I. Would you agree? Absolutely. Uh, and I, th- you know, well, I think the Bible says that it's no longer I that lives, but Christ that lives in me. Mm-hmm. At some point, that we do have to come to a place, don't we? Of, um, yeah. And and you know, death of self, particularly in the realm of economics, uh, you know, initially appears <laughs> to be. A real worry to us, but I yeah. think maybe when we get the other side, it's not so much of a big worry than we thought it was. So losing your house is scary, but gaining a hundred more in this life is yeah. Well, while it remains ethereal, isn't yeah. much comfort. Yeah. But if there's a genuine journey to the we, yeah. You know, even even in rational, non-spiritual terms, becomes logically much yeah. more secure than having to stand on our own two feet. Yeah, absolutely. So I think I think you know, for example. Uh, it's all right for me to pontificate about having a vision for the next next generation, um, and uh, or pr- hopefully more than pontificate, but share what I believe is the heart of God for reaching the next generation mm. in a meaningful way. Means that Marin and I have to say so. Uh, let, let's start in some practical ways. A small bit of this massive elephant. Mm. Uh, what difference is that going to make to our giving yeah. financially? Yeah. So. Uh, let's not stop what we have already allocated in terms of giving to the life and ministry of the whole church family. But what are we going to add to that in terms of supporting um, m- uh, mission or ministry or strategies that are going to reach that generation? So we've made a financial decision to give on a monthly basis yeah. to some particular individuals and organisations that are working in that arena. I think you can't, you know, that is about saying, um, 
I can't reach that generation, but together we can. Yes. But what I can do is contribute yes. towards the we that is going to reach that generation. Does that make sense? It is, and I, and I find that hugely liberating because sometimes, you know, I think of all the people who need reaching and all the yeah. good works that need doing. And, you know, in my mad moments, I end up trying to spend five minutes a week doing, ticking all the boxes. Yeah. But that's, that's, Ethereum, that's never going to happen. Yeah. But like you say, if I can be a, if I can be a real part of something yeah. that is doing that, you know, you will reach people I will never reach. But yeah. my support of you as a brother, it might enable you to do that. Yeah. And that's my part. Of it. Yeah. But isn't it interesting how often the finances actually lead on that though? You know, in terms of, um, you know, the the money where the mouth is stuff. Yeah, know, I think so. So often when when our wallets are engaged. Yeah. And our time, I put time in there as well as the second biggie. But if our time yeah. and our money's there, the rest of us tends to be as well. Definitely, absolutely, yeah. So and you've taught on that, so you know more than I do. But you know, there is the sense in which something has the loyalty, mm. something captivates our affections. Is what Jesus says. It's got to be one or one. one, one. <laughs> Normally, it's money, yeah. or possessions, or stuff. Yeah. Because largely, we live in a world that is totally revolves around stuff yeah more better bigger um i think that's a world of enormous slavery but we're we're all a part of that and the more we're a part of that the more it has our heart has our affections yeah and and if something else has our affections it's obviously not the lord i don't say that in a condemning way because i see it in my own life you know yeah, I really would like to drive. I'll be honest with you. I would like to drive at the top of top of the range, Range Rover. Yeah. I absolutely love them. But at whatever eighty five thousand pounds for a car, is that? And I know others would have a different view. Some would say, if you're blessed, be blessed and enjoy eighty five thousand pounds with a car. Yeah. I think I probably have a slightly different view. I don't need to drive around an old banger. But could I, for me, yeah, with a conviction about collective responsibility, could I drive around in an eighty five thousand pound car? I don't think so. Oh, I'm sorely tempted <laughs> because I love I love stuff. Yeah. Well, not all stuff, but I particularly love cars. Yeah, do you see what I mean? I do. So I have to sort of discipline myself. Yeah. Not that I could afford an eighty-five thousand pound Land Rover either. I don't want anybody to get any delusions. I've got eighty-five grand to spend because I haven't. But do you know what I mean? I think the truth of it is these things live in us. Yeah. And but we have to practically. We have to sow the other seed. We do absolutely. And cut, cut against the grain. Do our best. Yeah. And some would say, Adrian, well, you could do even better. And the answer is, I could always. And that, and we know, can always. And we're having these conversations yeah. as elders from that position, aren't we? Yeah. We're being quite open that none of us feels that we've got there. Yeah. And um, I, hopefully that's an invitation to you guys listening to join the conversation rather than just receive some teaching. Absolutely. Really. Um, and, in, and in terms of expanding a conversation I did actually want to expand a conversation that came out of the last sermon that you preached here Adrian where you looked at Ephesians 4 and the life of the people of God the life that we're called to which is the we life I guess the the we life that we're called to and there are two things particularly you mentioned that I I think we should spend some time unpacking and one of those was that uh, we should be characterised by an economic maturity now we've talked about our own finances and freeing ourselves from, from that say but I think you meant more than just the, I guess, so easy to go back to I, isn't it? To more than just the I elements of I've got free from my slavery, but how, yeah. how do we become economically mature 
I'm just I'm going to stop there and see what thoughts come to your mind. Yeah. You know, because you started to mention a few, and then you you kind of moved on in your sermon. So I wonder, yeah, yeah, it was a little what bit. What else might a, have been a in bit, there? Uh, just some sort of random thoughts, really, weren't they? Well, not random; they were reasonably well thought out. But so, yeah. Um, so I suppose thinking particularly of those verses, which as I read them initially, um, you know, like we all do, we read, you know, we we overlay mm. that immediately we overlay our culture which is about personal gain and private profit what can I learn about me from these verses yes, yeah. and what do I need to do to make sure I'm compliant do you know what I mean yeah yeah absolutely. And so yeah. Uh, I, me and I have this great big trajectory in our lives I thought like most of us we've sort of dealt with some of that but you suddenly realize the truth of these verses are much much bigger than um, uh, do I steal or not? You know, because as I said, I think on that Sunday, you know, mm-hmm. we can all say, "Oh yeah, I've got three pens that uh, I really shouldn't have. I really ought to take those back." Or, or there might be, you know, sort of bigger things that we we we've really got our hands on stuff that we shouldn't. I haven't we actually, de- or I haven't, you know, I haven't declared yeah. some of my income. Income, done. yeah, absolutely. You know, that's a very filled in the tank. Absolutely, real temptation yeah. for many of us, isn't it? Yeah. Self assessment and all that. Absolutely, or getting served in a shop and realizing they've undercharged you and walking away saying it's their fault. Yeah. Um, you know, which to some degree is somebody's inefficiency, but I, I think it's good for us to go back and say, "You've undercharged us. Can I pay the difference?" Yeah. Because that's living a different way as an individual, isn't it? But also demonstrating possibly a, a life that's period different for the people of God. So, um, so having backed off from sort of thinking of these verses as sort of uh, individual commands and wondering whether I'm compliant, suddenly realise that I think probably what Paul's trying to do is say. You've, um, you know, and I use the extra story to try and illustrate this. Mm. Uh, it's another example. Uh, you've come out of something, but you've got to come into something. Yeah. Um, and that's not uh, he. And of course, you know, we all know he uh, he hears Israel, and he delivers Israel. Israel is is a people. Of course, it's a bunch of individuals, but it's a people as well. So. Um, people and the way they practice their lives in Egypt um, God reforms his people and the way they practice their lives in the Mm. promised land and so I just started to think about what really is the truth of what Paul is saying is um, this is a life that uh, this is the life that exists within the community of God as opposed to I, I suppose moral principles held by individuals. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And so, um, so thinking about, you know, for me, maybe there is this whole thing where he says, you know, if you've stolen, going back to my point, I, I wondered a bit there, but if you've stolen, uh, stealing is now no longer acceptable. Um, uh, work instead with your hands. Work, in, work instead so with your hands. Yeah, yeah, so that. And the, so he seems to suggest that the point of work. Yeah. is for collective benefit, not individual benefit. And oh. of course, if you read somebody like Timothy Keller, on, he wrote a great a great book um, called The Good Endeavour, I think it's called, which is about work. And he makes this point that true work is only that work that has communal or collective benefit, not just individual benefit. I, I love And I love that verse because you, you, most people in that society, their work was, we'd see it as menial labour now. You, yeah, you know, 
you know, walls, walls need to be built and that sort of thing. But I don't think many people were going home at the end of the day with a massive sense of, I've changed the course of human history or, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. But Paul says that nonetheless, you, you, the whole idea of working so that you've got some money to contribute yeah. to those in need in the community yeah. and that sort of thing, it, it is a, the whole orientation of thought is, what does this allow me to do? Yeah for others yeah. rather than gain for myself like yeah. you said you know. yeah and of course sometimes we can react a little bit negatively to that to say well doesn't that mean then that there's going to be some lazy people that end up getting loads of things that they yeah. really shouldn't get because they're not pulling their finger out and working and I would say well if we've got an emotionally mature community we will be confronting that behaviour as well <laughs> do you know which, what I mean which is what we'll get on to um, then. Oh, so, well. so I think that you know, the argument falls down a bit in that I've got lots of friends that say I don't give to charity because it all goes to administration. I think they're just absolving themselves of any responsibility to give yes. or to share their... Or to look in some charities that are better at that. <laughs> exactly, you know, so yeah. we sort of can't blanche treat all charities the same, that actually all of the money goes on administration. Well, where that's happening, we have got some due diligence processes in place, particularly in the UK, to make sure that doesn't happen. Where that's happening, don't give to those charities, but it doesn't excuse you from giving at all. So the whole idea that we, we work for collective benefit, not just individual benefit, we can't excuse ourselves from that. And I think this is a defence me mechanism that lies in us, which is connected to the I and me, that says, well, we can't do that because there might be some people mm. that might be undeserving of enjoying what comes out of collective responsibility and I think that's a really narrow way to look at it and but, but a live danger a live danger know, yeah mean, sure Paul, in, in Thessalonians Paul has to address it doesn't he and ends up saying you know if you don't work you won't eat so yeah absolutely this is always but in a sense kind of what risk do we want do we want to be yeah. part of a community where well, there's no danger of that happening because none yeah. of us are generous or yeah. part of a community where there's always going to be a danger of free riders yeah. because we're living a different kind of yeah life, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. One final point I'd like to make before we move on to emotional maturity is this, the economic maturity, you hinted at it in your sermon, extends beyond our giving as well, but to our spending. Yeah. And to, um, you know, I know that Marion uh, is big on fair trade chocolate and that sort of thing. Yeah, but she buys all our clothes from charity shops. Or, or, and, and say, actually, I think, you know, sometimes that can be dismissed as a sort of, um, well, I've, I've had people dismiss me as that yeah yeah that's a sort of fringe concern yeah. but actually when we consider that where we spend our money has a huge impact on the lives of real human beings yeah it's only fringe because we're living our blinkers of I the agree I totally. world I agree totally actually if we were really someone once said to me you know if you had somebody living next to you yeah whose life was the result of the work they have to do to produce your products in an unethical way, yeah. you couldn't buy them. Yeah. And it's only because we don't see them that we... Yeah. So, uh, I, I agree. And I think coming from a sort of traditional Pentecostal evangelical charismatic heritage, we tend to... There's lots to be said about, about why we are where we are, but we tend to ignore things like that, thinking that they're not really deeply spiritual issues. Yeah. But I think we need to reread the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> because these are profound found and deep spiritual issues. So I remember when we first, or Marion first started on this fair trade chocolate trajectory, somebody said to me, but but you can't get Cadbury's fair trade and I only like Cadbury's. Yeah, aye. Aye. So you sort of go, well, get used to another brand of chocolate. Yeah. Or are you gonna be content with the fact that that product potentially 
is produced by exploiting child labour. I mean, I, I, I think it's, I think they're deeply spiritual decisions and ones that I think God recognises much more or potentially recognises much more than all of the other spiritual things that we do. I do wonder sometimes when we stand before God at the end of our time and give an account of our lives, you know, like you, you sort of go through your compliance list maybe and say, oh Lord, I, 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 and he says, first thing he says, well, what about your family? What about your church? What about the we's you're a part of? What state yeah. are they in? And then also I wonder about these things. I wonder if some of the real commendations are going to be for you faithfully shopped kind of ethically in a time where not many other people are that bothered about that. Yeah. You know, yeah. we think it's small, but, well, yeah. we know we worship a God yeah. and the small things are the big things and the big yeah, things yeah, are often absolutely. the small things. And yeah. So this does link us to emotional maturity. You mentioned it. What do you mean by an emotionally mature we? Um, a, a, an emotionally mature we. So uh, what do I mean by that? I mean... Uh, I, I heard today a, a terribly, terribly sad story of uh, a man um, who uh, belonged to a church family in Wolverhampton who through no fault of his own, um, his business, his small business got into enormous debt which sadly resulted in him taking his life and uh, a deeply tragic story and um, basically you come to the conclusion that here's here's someone in turmoil mm. but but can't talk about the turmoil he's in because he feels in some shape or form that um, that, that, that it won't be heard a, it won't be heard or that there's could, what's going to happen if I'm really honest yeah. about what's going on in my life yeah. and about the decisions I've made and uh, and it's it's yeah, I, I thought this is really sad that we have somebody who clearly is is grappling with this whole idea of uh, I am responsible mm. and I have made so many mistakes and I'm in such a dire position that the only way to get out of this position tragically is to is to commit suicide and it did it, it sort of had a profound impact on me and and whilst I don't want to use such an emotive example to talk about emotional maturity but it does illustrate doesn't it that, yes. that we we live in a non-transparent world where we're not able to be vulnerable and talk about our vulnerabilities um, and as a consequence as people we're weaker Yes. And uh, 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 well, both as individuals and collectively, we're weaker as a consequence. Yes. And I suppose um, we'd probably all aspire to. You know, I'm not suggesting we all get take it in terms on a Sunday morning about talking about all the things that we're struggling with, but we do need um, uh, whether that's a small group or a group of people, a group of friends who share our life's journey, with whom we can be um, totally honest, open. Be our real selves. Be our real selves. Yeah, yeah. And talk about our struggles, you know, honestly and openly. And I, I think part of that journey of emotional maturity as a we is is actually, um, you know, me working out who I really am with the help of the Lord and others I, I and living so. into it. You know, so often, so often, well, 
we may have reservations, but I think a number of us want that. Yeah. And we have we might go through many years finding that we never find a we. Yeah. And the problem is we've never found an I as yeah. well. You know, yeah, never, yeah, I think you're right. I don't know myself, so yeah. how, how can anyone else know yeah. me if I'm not being myself? Because yeah. that might sound a bit, you know, psychotherapy babble, but I, you know, I, I know yeah. that you've been reading around it recently. and Yeah, that was a great, great book. Um, I think you recommended the first in a series, and then I was so touched you by the first, <laughs> first in a series. I read the, the ensuing two in a series of three. It was a book by David Benner, and um, uh, he's, he said in this book, he talks of the woman from Samaria who comes to the well to, uh, to draw water, and Jesus meets her, and, and he says something like this. What's fascinating about this story is that first Jesus has to reveal the truth about this woman to this woman before he can reveal the truth about himself yeah. to this woman. Yeah. And I thought, I wish I was that clever because that's a really, <laughs> you know, it's a cracking little phrase. But it, it, I found so much resonance in my own yeah. heart is that understanding who we are becomes a gateway of revelation to understanding who Christ is. Do you know what I mean? And that I these do. two work intrinsically together and can't be separated. Mm. So for me, the people that have had the most deep and profound impact on my life have been people who um, fully see themselves or are on a journey to fully seeing themselves yeah. Yeah. and in some way or other they see Jesus in a way that has really touched my life profoundly. I can think of several people like that and and so I can't and I've got some good friends with whom I can be plainly honest and vulnerable. Mm. I wonder if I could do life without those friendships, do you know what I mean? That's right, and and uh, uh, yeah, I think this is so important. Anecdotally, I, I just want to say, you know, I do a lot of pastoral work here among our church family. I spend a lot of time in one-to-ones with people, and I would estimate that eighty percent of my time with people is primarily about helping them to work out their own inner worlds, yeah, who they really are, what's really going on inside them, rather than uh, actually talking much about God, yeah. Not because that's the that's the end point, but yeah. because we can't really, you know, even our spirituality gets stuck. Yeah. When we get stuck, and unless we're prepared to look inward. Yeah. Uh, and and to sort of tie this back around, I, I think this is the only thing that allows the we as well. You know, yeah. We, it sounds counterintuitive, but we have to yeah. get to know the I to be able to yeah. be part of the. It reminds you of what Bonhoeffer said, doesn't it? That he who cannot be on their own, beware of community. Yeah, yeah. Because there is always a interchange yeah. between them. Yeah. Some some would say though, Tim, wouldn't they? That that um, that level of introspection almost plays into finding the true self, which is yeah. a sort of postmodern. Yeah ideology isn't it that I've got to discover the real me do you think it does that or are you, are you do you think you're talking about something different I think the difference that I draw between them is um, I think that postmodern angle is actually about normally about making the me I want to be right yeah um, you know rather I, than discovering my, the truth about myself exactly yeah, yeah. I, I'm not that worldview is that I I am in control really whereas our yeah. worldview is I'm created yeah and if I'm created there's a me that's given yeah. ultimately so I can't yeah. make it 
Yeah. And, and really, I can't really find it. I, I think that's the irony. We talk about finding ourselves. Normally, all we can do is keep throwing away the false me's yeah, yeah, yeah. until all that's left is who I really am yeah. being given to be. Yeah. Um, and then I start to find rest yeah. in that. Yeah. This is another podcast. It is another podcast, it, isn't it? Yeah. I hate we've opened up a conversation. Any final thought you'd want to say before we close? Anything you've is left unsaid or? I don't. I don't think so, Tim. Yeah, we could talk about. I could talk about these issues all, all afternoon, really, because they really are. I think they're critically important. Mm. What What makes what should make us dis- what makes Israel and even the Jewish nation today distinct from all other nations is this collective thought yeah. of we and even without a geography until whenever the year was 1947 was it whenever it was that Israel became a state I've got yeah. that date check, check that up at check home, that out, yeah, check that at home. <laughs> until that point there's still a, a sense of common identity yeah. that saved a nation through the Holocaust, losing their own land, and everything else. You know, I think we've lots to, you know, lots to learn to get back to a position of understanding what it truly means to be, you know, to be we. Well, maybe we can pick that up another time. I, I will call it a day there because you guys have been listening long enough, and thank you for your attention. I, I hope that helps your reflections. Uh, as we respond to God in this season really about this journey to being we Uh, but I think we will pick this up another time maybe talk more about um, how we can emulate some of that and maybe a bit more about emotional maturity as well thanks Adrian thanks for your time and uh, thanks for listening Uh, next week we'll have Tim Barton talking about some of his reflections thank you